Jewish population of our world today. And three events led to May 14th, 1948, being a day of enormous significance. Before we jump into that, though, let me give you a little bit of background. In 1920, the League of Nations, which was the predecessor to what we know as the United Nations, issued a mandate called the British Mandate. And it essentially gave Great Britain rule and governance over the area that we know today as Israel. There was great tension and great strife in that area. Does that sound familiar? Uh, Between the Arab nations and between the Jewish people who have been coming back to Israel since the late 1800s. And so Great Britain was given the task of managing the tension between these two people groups. And it struggled to do that for 28 years as more and more Jewish people came back to uh, the land of Israel and more of the Arabs protested their arrival. But on May 14, 1948, the British mandate expired. And when that happened, it ended British control of the land of Israel. And a group known as the Jewish Agency immediately declared the land of Israel a sovereign Jewish state. And within a 24-hour period of that declaration, the United States issued a statement recognizing Israel's sovereignty. And with those three events, the ending of the British mandate, the declaration of a sovereign Jewish state, and the recognition by the United States, uh, Israel once again became a Jewish nation on May 14th, 1948. And you may think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, think about this. Previous to 1948, the last time Israel had been a self-governing Jewish nation was almost 3,000 years before. You can read about it in the Old Testament, beginning with the Assyrian invasion into parts of Israel around 745 BC. And Israel and its people, they had been passed from kingdom to kingdom, from empire to empire. And in the late 1800s, the reality was that the Jewish people had been scattered all over the face of the earth, and they had no true home of their own. But after nearly 3,000 years of slavery and displacement and homelessness, the nation of Israel was literally reborn in a day. In a 24-hour period, everything changed and God's faithfulness was shown. If you brought your Bible with you today, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. We're going to go to chapter 66. If you didn't bring a Bible, there are some under the seats around you. And if you don't own a Bible, I would like for you to keep one of those as your own. It's our gift to you. But Isaiah 66, this is on page 520 of those Bibles. Uh, I want you to see specifically verses 7 and 8. And I want you to know that these words were written by the prophet Isaiah sometime around 700 BC. So the nation of Israel had already been captured by the Assyrians. Uh, They had been enslaved and much of Israel had been destroyed. But look at what Isaiah says in, in chapter 66, verses 7 and 8. He says, before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. And what we know to be true today is that with God, indeed, yes, a country can be born in a day. And yes, a nation can be brought forth in a single moment. And some in this room today saw it happen on May 14th, 1948. This promise of God given to the Hebrew people through the prophet Isaiah almost 3,000 years ago fulfilled in our time. How cool is that? 
How cool is that? This is week three in our series called The Father Is, and we're studying the attributes of God. And what I want you to know this morning is that the Father is faithful. He is faithful. And that's important because we live in a world where it seems more times than not, unfaithfulness is the norm. Do you feel that? Have you sensed that in your life and in your world? I mean, do you find it hard to believe anything the politicians are saying right now? Uh, If I'm being honest, I have to tell you, I have a hard time with that. I, I want to believe, I wish I could trust, but the unfaithfulness of those who have gone before makes it hard for me to believe today. And we see it in the business world. Just last week, I had a conversation with my friend Ryan. Ryan goes to this campus, and uh, he had entered into uh, a business contract. He was hired to do a job. A price was agreed on for the work. He put in the time. He produced the product. And when it came time to be paid, the answer was next Friday. I'll pay you next Friday. And so Ryan called next Friday. And he was told again, you know what? It's going to be next Friday. And after a series of next Fridays, Ryan's calls just went unanswered and the unfaithfulness of this business partner was recognized. Or how about this? And I realize this one may be very close to home, but we see marriage presented in scripture as a picture of the faithfulness between one man and one woman for life. And all of us have heard and many have said Till death do us part. I promise, I promise to be true to this vow. But the reality in America today is not faithfulness in marriage. In fact, the latest statistics say that 50% of all marriages will end in divorce, will end in unfaithfulness to that marriage vow. And so we've all experienced a lack of faithfulness to some degree or another. And I think if we're honest, we would have to admit that in some way we have become cynical about faithfulness because we so seldom see it displayed in our world today. Will they really do what they said they would do? Were those words true? Are they faithful? And here's what I'm most concerned about this morning. It is not unlikely that these instances of human unfaithfulness have somehow shaped our view of God. And I don't want you to rush past that because you may not even realize it to be true of you. But could it be that the unfaithfulness you have experienced has caused you to question the faithfulness of God? Do you find yourself wondering, can he really be trusted? Are his words really true? And if that's you this morning, I want you to know I have been praying for you all week that your eyes would be open to any area where you may be doubting God's faithfulness and that you would open up your heart to to the fact that even in the midst of an unfaithful world, the Father is faithful and he always will be. I want to give you three indicators this morning that point to this truth. But first, we need to understand what faithfulness is. What do we mean when we say God is faithful? Well, that word faithful in the scriptures can also mean steadfast, verified, trustworthy, or true. It means means to be true to one's word, true to one's promises, true to one's vows. So when we say that God is faithful, what we mean is that he will do everything that he promises he will do. He is steadfast. He is verified. He is true. Now, how do we know that? How do we know that the father is faithful? Well, if you're taking notes, the first reason is this, because he said it. 
because he said it. And if you are a parent in the room or you work with young children, isn't that the ultimate adult answer? The questions just keep coming. You're ready to be done answering. And so you say, because I said so, that's why. And with those words, there is no response possible. I'm older than you. I have authority over you. And I just ended this conversation. Has anybody ever used that one before? If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It works amazingly, okay? Put it in there. But, but honestly, when it comes to this topic of faithfulness, the only person who has the real integrity and authority to use that line is God himself. To illustrate this, I want you to imagine with me for just a moment that you're at the airport and you're getting ready to take a flight, your plane is getting ready to board, and you realize it's probably a good idea to use the facility one last time before you board the plane. I mean, nobody likes using the facility on the airplane, right? And if you do, that's weird, okay? <laughs> so, so you're there, but you got all of your bags, and, and you're flying alone, and it's just a hassle, and it's kind of gross taking all of that in with you, and a, a man close by notices your dilemma, and he says, hey, uh, I'll watch your bags for you. And that's a nice gesture, but you're a little leery because you don't know this man, and he's going to have plenty of time with your stuff. And uh, he sees that you're uneasy about his offer, and so he just says to you, he says, hey, I want you to know I'm faithful. I'm faithful. And that really doesn't mean anything to you. And so you say, well, how can I know that you're faithful? And the man looks at you, and he says, because I said so. Now, what's your next move? What's your next move? Do you leave your your bags with this man and take him at his word, or do you kindly decline his offer? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not leaving my bags with that guy. There's no way. Because, you know, because I said so, it doesn't hold any weight when it comes from anyone belonging to the human race. We know that there's nothing behind those words to back them up, and the Bible tells us the human heart is deceitful above all things. But when we talk about God, he is different He is different than us. We learned from Steve's message that God is good. In him is no darkness at all. He cannot be tempted. He cannot lie. And because of that, we can believe passages like Deuteronomy 7, 9. And we can know that the Lord our God is good. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. We can cling to the promises of lamentations, and we can know that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And we can know the promise of 2 Timothy 2.13, that even if we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Faithful is what God is. He cannot be anything else because he cannot deny himself. And over and over again, scripture points and speaks of the faithfulness of God. The father is faithful because he says he is. And because he is good, we can trust that to be true. And honestly, if that's all we had, that's enough. We could take God at his word and that would be enough. He wouldn't owe us anything else, but that's actually not all we have. Not only can we know the father is faithful because he said it, but also because history shows it. History shows it. And if you think about that, if you really want to know if someone is faithful or not, what do you do? Well, you look at their history, right? You look at their past actions. Did they do what they said that they would do? And if so, then we have a reason to believe that they'll be faithful again. And there are a number of places where we can look to see that in all of history, God has always kept his promises, You know, the the opening illustration that I shared about a nation being born in a day, that's certainly one illustration of God being true to his promise. 
And uh, I'm going to give you several other, other examples. This isn't an exhaustive list, and I'm going to move quickly. So if you want to write these down and study them later, I encourage that. But I, I think about things like in Genesis chapter 15, when God told Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham's looking at himself, and he's looking at his wife, and they're both really old. And the Bible says that, that his wife, Sarah, was well beyond childbearing years, okay? It wasn't even on the radar. And yet in Genesis 21, we read that God was faithful to his promise, and he produced a son through Sarah named Isaac. And, uh, and through Isaac, the Hebrew nation was set into motion. And then we read in the next book of the Bible, in, in Exodus chapter 6, that the Hebrew people, they've been enslaved by the Egyptians. And God says, I'm going to save you. I'm going to make you my people. And I'm going to be your God. And in chapter 12 of the same book, God then leads his people out of Egypt. He destroys the entire Egyptian army. And in chapter 24, the covenant between God and his people is confirmed. And God was once again faithful to his promise. I think about the Old Testament promises about the coming Messiah. And we read in Malachi chapter 4 that God would send a prophet like Elijah. And in Isaiah 40, that he would be one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And then we get to the gospel accounts and we find out that this prophet like Elijah was John the Baptist. And indeed, his word was prepare the way for the Lord. He prepared the way for Jesus' ministry here on earth. I think about Isaiah 11.1, where we read that a shoot will come up from the stone of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And we see in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one, that indeed Jesse, the father of David is listed there. Jesus was in the line of Jesse, the line of David. And we read in John 15 that, the, that Jesus' whole mission was to come and to bear much fruit. G, uh, God was true to his promise there. In Micah 5.2, we read that out of Bethlehem will come the ruler of all Israel. And in Hosea 11.1, 1, out of Egypt, I will call my son. Two completely different places. But in the Gospels, we read that, that Jesus was indeed born in Bethlehem and that then his parents escaped to Egypt so that Jesus wouldn't be executed by King Herod. And so we see there again that both of these promises came true. Out of Bethlehem and out of Egypt, Jesus was called. So over and over again, we can look and see that history shows that what God says he will do, he will do. He is faithful every single time. And I wonder if maybe you have a personal story of God's faithfulness to you. I mean, we don't only look to the Bible for these stories. We certainly, uh, you know, that's the first place that we look. But I can think in my own life of ways that I can see God's faithfulness unfolding. My family and I got, got to spend most of the day yesterday in Michigan City, uh, up north in Indiana, and we were celebrating Warren Jones Day. Yesterday was Warren Jones Day in Michigan City, and, and signs like this were all over the place, uh, down Franklin Street and, and in front of businesses everywhere. Congratulations, Warren Jones. Warren Jones is my grandpa, and I'm named after him. One of my middle names is Warren. And uh, yesterday on Warren Jones Day, they made him Grand Marshal of the Michigan City Fourth of July Parade. My, my grandpa is a great man. He's 95 years old. Uh, he still lives on his own. He golfs every chance that he gets. And he is known and loved in Michigan City because he was the principal of the high school and then the superintendent of schools after that. And my grandpa, uh, it was more than a job for him. He cared about his students. He knew them. He loved him. And, uh, and now you can't go anywhere in Michigan City without continually being stopped and people saying, hello, Mr. Jones. How are you, Mr. Jones? 
uh, the people there, they just absolutely love him. And they even named a street after him there in Michigan City. That's pretty cool uh, to have your own street named after you there in front of the school. But what's less known about my grandpa is how he came to faith in Jesus. My grandpa served in the Navy during World War II, and in the parade yesterday, he was wearing his officer's uniform. He was stationed in the South Pacific, and he was aboard a, a, a troop transport ship that primarily uh, what it did was it got supplies and troops where they needed to be as the war progressed. And my grandpa remembers with great clarity the day that his fleet came under attack. In fact, he remembers the ship sailing next to his being hit by an enemy torpedo. And as that happened, and they're on the deck of his own ship in the midst of battle, my grandpa, who knew about God but did not know God personally, looked to the sky and prayed, God, if you get me out of here, I'm yours. And when my grandpa returned home from the war, he, he gave his life to Christ, and it changed everything for him. He led his family in knowing and serving the Lord. And that decision of my grandpa to follow Jesus Christ became a chain reaction in his family as his son Rick, his oldest son, grew up and went into full-time ministry. And his daughter Susie, my mom, went to Bible college and married a pastor. And my mom has been involved in ministry her whole life, leading worship, leading women, leading children. And, uh, and my Uncle Rick's daughter, my cousin Becky, grew up, and she's now a full-time worship pastor. And my sister Kim became a children's pastor and is now married to a senior pastor. And I think you all know that I'm a pastor. And uh, who knows where this is going to stop as we all continue having children who, are, who grow to know the Lord. And maybe their hearts are pulled into full-time ministry as well. And let me just tell you, it is nearly impossible for our families to get together around the holidays because we're all serving and engaged in our own cities and in our own churches. But it's all a picture of God's faithfulness to my Grandpa Jones. And I hope that you have a personal story like that where you can look back and you can say, you know what, God was faithful. I didn't know how it was gonna turn out, but God was faithful. He did what he said he would do. And we can know that the Father is faithful because he said it because history shows it, and finally this, because Christ proved it. Christ proved it. I want to tell you about my friend Sarah. That's not a real name, by the way, but she gave me permission to share this story. And Sarah is a bright, beautiful, God-loving 20-something who waited on the Lord for Mr. Wright. Sarah had one other dating relationship her whole life, and it didn't end well. And so she committed to moving slowly the next time, to making sure she didn't make the same mistakes twice. And so eventually, Sarah did meet someone, and he was everything she had dreamed he would be. And she loved him, and all indications were that he loved her too. And even though he was a military man and stationed out of state, they made it work, and everything seemed right. And so they got engaged and they started moving towards the big day. They started making wedding preparations. And for whatever reason, Sarah's mom and dad just kind of had a feeling that something wasn't right. Moms and dads, don't you just kind of know sometimes when things aren't right? And so they started looking, and they didn't have to look long before they found the announcement of this guy's engagement to another woman in the state where he was stationed. He was engaged to two women at the same time. And the reality is that some people say that they're faithful. Some people even have some things in their past that they can point to that would suggest faithfulness. But when it comes time to prove it, their unfaithfulness is made evident. And I want you to know this morning 
that the proof of God's faithfulness to you and me was his own son, Jesus Christ, who though being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself, he took the role of a servant, and being found in the form of a human, he became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. And in the life and death of Jesus, we have the ultimate proof of God's faithfulness to us because your sin separated you from the Father and you deserve hell, eternal separation from God. And I deserve it too. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sin. You want proof of God's faithfulness? I urge you to look at the cross of Christ and know that it should have been you and it should have been me hanging there in agony, beaten and bloody and dying. But God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And sometimes I wonder if our questioning of God's faithfulness isn't because God failed to do what he said he would do, but because we expected him to do something he never promised to do. Listen, if my grandpa had prayed that prayer on the deck of that ship in the middle of battle in World War II, and he died that day, God would be no less faithful. When I say that I see the faithfulness of God in his story, I am not pointing to my grandpa's physical life extended. I'm referring to his eternal life gifted to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm referring to the promise that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And God did that for my grandpa and he will do it for you too. God has not promised that he will heal your physical body. Can he do it? Yes. Will he do it? I don't know. Did he promise to do it? No. But what did he promise? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am working everything to the good of those who love me. And you can know that he will be faithful to those promises. Maybe there's some struggle or some temptation that you are constantly up against and you think, where is God's faithfulness in this? Why doesn't he just take this away from me? And believe me, I wish it worked that way but it does not. But here's what is true. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's a promise that God will be faithful to every single time. And some of you have experienced great trouble in your life. And I don't know why some people seem to cruise through life seemingly trouble-free and others just experience pain after pain after pain. But maybe in the midst of that trouble, you're wondering, where is God's faithfulness in this? Why has he allowed this pain in my life? But I wanna gently remind you this morning that God never promised you a trouble-free life. In fact, much to the contrary, what he said was, in this world, you will have trouble but take heart because I have overcome the world. And you can know and cling to the promise of Revelation 21.4 that the Father will wipe every tear from your eye. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning, no more pain. If you are a follower of Jesus, that promise is yours and God will do it. And you can know that the Lord our God is God. 
He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So let me ask you this this morning. Do you love God? Do you love God? Do you trust him? Have you accepted the gift of his son and experienced his faithfulness? And if the answer to that question is no, I want to know what's holding you back. What is holding you back? Have you expected him to do something that he never promised he would do? Why not let that go today and cling to the things that he actually has promised to do for you? Because friends, we are coming to a day when every one of us will have to give an account for our lives. And if your answer isn't Jesus, you fail the test. God has offered us heaven through Jesus Christ and hell without him. In fact, he's promised it. And his promise works both ways. Let's not play games with God and assume that we have time that he has not promised us. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. You are not guaranteed tonight. You are not even guaranteed your next breath. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. If you are hearing his voice today, do not put this off. He is faithful today. You be faithful today. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to talk to you more about that after the service today. Don't walk out of here. Today's the day. Let me pray for you. Father God, you are the faithful God. You are unshakable. You are unmovable. Your faithfulness is not dependent on any of our life circumstances. And we thank you for that today, for the unmovable faithfulness that your character, uh, Father, provides, that it shows that we can cling to. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today, Father, that in the reality of your words, that you said you are faithful, that you have shown in all of history that you are faithful, that you have proved it through the blood of your own son, Jesus Christ, that, Lord, as we examine our lives, that you would illuminate any area where maybe we have, we have believed a lie, that you're not faithful because you didn't do what we expected you to do. Father, rather turn our eyes to what it is that you have promised you will do and find us clinging to those promises. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.